Hello, fans of the silver screen. I'm Mel Hardy. And I'm Don Shives. And on this radio program, we review current movies here in good old 1942. I don't mean to snap your cap, but that's a weird thing to say. Don't you bust my chops, you palook. I just wanted the ear jockeys out there in Radio Land to know the year. If you don't like it, you can direct your stompers doorwise and meet you some other moke with a radio show. And say, hidey ho! Oh, so you want me to take a powder, eh? Well, listen here, fathead. I'd rather make some lettuce with another Joe microphone or I'll get a chance to flap my lips with a real hepcat. Oh, yeah? Then tell me, Schmendrake. Who's gonna review the 1942's The Pride of the Yankees with me if you huff it? There you go again with the year. Ask that to the angels, you mug. Maybe if we was our grandkids off in the future, we could keep dropping the year that the movie was made, but for us saying it now in 1942 is a bunch of hooey. Ha! I can't stand you now. What a screwy idea. There's no way our grandkids would be in cahoots reviewing movies, much less be friends. I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we review a classic movie to see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, the movie has a sterling reputation known as one of the greatest baseball movies ever made. Isn't that right, Steve? That is right. And we're going to find out if that is true. (laughs) (laughs) We... Actually, the fun part, folks, is we already know whether it's true or not. Uh-huh. And, and being self-indulgent <laughs> being self-indulgent a-holes, we're going to force all of you guys to watch and and review a baseball movie yeah, because we right. like baseball and baseball is kind of coming back despite all of the sudden outbreaks of covid that they're encountering. So what movie we we decide to we get to review? Well, by coincidence, cuz Steve chose blindly, we're doing a baseball movie about a baseball player that dies of a disease. <laughs> Isn't that fun? <laughs> That's right. The movie that we are reviewing for our annual baseball-themed show is none other than the 1942 biopic of the great Lou Gehrig, The Pride right. of the Yankees. The Pride of the Yankees. The Pride right. of the Yankees. Not Babe Ruth. Not Babe Ruth. He's the shame of the Yankees. <laughs> the Babe Ruth story. The shame of the Yankees. <laughs> They they let him go, and he went and played for just about anybody who who who, who thought that they could get people he, in the stands. He was the greatest player and the greatest attraction in the history of the franchise. They refused to make him team captain. They refused mm-hmm. to make him a manager. Think about an, that. An attraction much like a smoking monkey. <laughs> if you want people to come to the stands, just put a smoking monkey in a dismal cage. He'll gibber and jape, and if you hand him a cigarette, he'll smoke it for you. That's Babe Ruth. That's Babe Ruth, apparently. (laughs) In his later years. In his later... uh, That's Babe Ruth eventually. (laughs) (laughs) All right, fine. The Pride of the Yankees. Steve, Uh please tell me you have some trivia for this old 1942 movie. Did you know that it's based on the life of a real person? Um, no. That's not my trivia. That you did. It's not. I, I, I didn't no see idea. a real person in that movie. I had no idea. Um, well, yeah, so there is actually there's a very popular bit of trivia that a lot of people know about this movie that isn't quite true. Um, mm-hmm. It is true that, that Gary Cooper, who plays Gehrig, uh, was... Known as 1942's Kevin Costner. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, he was right-handed. 
and of course the real Lou Gehrig was 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 left-handed and That's right. uh, Gary Cooper did struggle to replicate that left-handed throw and swing of Gehrig however he didn't do a bad job no he I, well here's the thing right a, a, a popular uh, legend about the movie is that that Cooper had such a hard time with it that eventually the producers just said okay you just bat and throw right-handed and we'll give you a uniform with the lettering and the numbers reversed and we'll just flip the film uh, so right. that it, so and and you know if you hit the ball and you run to third base and we'll flip the film and it'll look like you're running to first base um, mm -hmm. that that they only did that for one shot in the entire movie and it wasn't a batting shot it, there's a shot where he's throwing and and they flip the film so he's it, while they're filming it he's actually throwing with his right arm but in the movie it looks like he's throwing lefty but they only did right. it for that one shot the rest of the time when we see him when we see Gehrig in the movie batting or throwing or just you know doing anything in in the baseball game that is either Gary Cooper actually doing it because he did work very hard with uh, the technical advisor on the movie to yeah. to come up to be able to convincingly throw and bat left-handed or it is uh, the actual major league ball player Babe Herman who was the technical advisor and who helped to train Gary Cooper who is mm. standing in for him um, and yeah. playing Gehrig in those shots when he when he has to throw left-handed and Gary Cooper couldn't do it. Because so, I'll tell you, there's nothing more awkward than hitting. You know, I don't know how switch hitters do it. Me neither. I honestly don't. Me neither. I have tried. I wanted to be a switch hitter so badly in high school, and every time I stood on the other side, I felt like I had entered another dimension. This was no longer the game that I played. I felt awkward and yeah. weird. None of my muscles worked, even though I trained them. And now I have a rotator cuff problem because of all that. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I never played organized baseball, but I, you know, we, used, my, me and my friends used to play uh, like pickup games and stuff. And yeah, it 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 feels so wrong. It's like, how does anybody do this? How does anybody bat from mm -hmm. like from you know other than their natural side? But um, mm -hmm. also another bit of trivia. Okay. Uh, the uh, the movie's story was subsequently adapted for two radio broadcasts. One that uh, was broadcast a year later in 1943, and another that was mm -hmm. broadcast in 1949. And Gary Cooper reprised his role as Gehrig in both, because I guess he just forgot to save his money. Well, he wasn't going off to war to fight with the other guys. <laughs> <clears throat> and, anyway. <laughs> and finally, one last bit. Um, Samuel Goldwyn, the producer was reluctant to make the movie at first because he thought that baseball movies didn't make any money and he thought it was just going to be a box office flop. And, and he didn't like baseball. And he didn't and he wasn't a huge baseball fan and apparently he wasn't even all that familiar with the Lou Gehrig story until somebody brought it to him and said, "No, here's why you need to make the movie." And uh and Gary Cooper was not a baseball fan either and yeah. had had never played and had never even gone to a game. Uh, before he got this part, so but but despite that, and also despite the fact that I, it didn't really make all that much money when it was originally released, um, it mm -hmm. has now become one of the most well-known baseball films ever made. So a a film made uh, by a producer who didn't want to make it, starring an actor who didn't like baseball, has become one of the great baseball films ever made. So there you go. Yay! Can I say who made it? And here we are. No, I'm sorry. Once again, I'm, he's I'm, pilfered I'm, from my section. I, I, I can't, can't bring up what. I can't help or, myself. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have a problem. Well, at least my will make my section quicker. <laughs> you already know who made it. Steve already told you. Fuck it. Let's talk about the movie. God damn it! <laughs> All right. It was directed by Sam Wood, who um, 
directed some other movies like Night at the Opera mm-hmm. and Goodbye, Mr. Chips, and a whole shit ton of other stuff. Because we're back in that era, everybody. Everybody has something in, the, like, a lot of somethings. A lot of uncredited somethings, mm-hmm. usually. Indeed. It was produced by Samuel Golden, and he's the G in MGM. And he's also a prick, and I don't like it. I don't know. I don't know if, what he was like <laughs> I, at home. I love how you say he's a prick, and then you immediately walk it back. I don't know. Okay, he was a prick in the office. He could have been as sweet as pumpkin pie at home. Okay? I just have this sense that he was a prick. I don't know for sure. Like Steve said, he didn't. He he didn't flat out. He wasn't reluctant. He flat out didn't want to make any baseball movies at all. Yeah. Mainly because he's never watched them. He felt that they always didn't make money. In which this case was true. Mm-hmm. It didn't really make a whole lot of money when people saw it because no one wanted to go to a movie where they knew what the ending was going to be. Mm. And so they were like, also, they didn't want to get bummed out yeah. and be reminded. Excuse me, that Saint Gehrig had died. Right. And so they were like. Okay, maybe I don't want to make this movie. By the way, Louise, am I a prick? Yes, you are, sir. Thank you. <laughs> I thought so. Um, it was also produced by William Cameron Menzies, and um, he had like a 50-year career from The Silence all the way through The Color Transition. He has more credits than I could possibly list here. Nothing like you would recognize right away and go, that's that Christmas movie I watched. No, it's nothing like that. <laughs> Screenplay by Joe Swirling, and uh, he wrote, co-wrote, I think co-wrote or wrote Lifeboat, the mm. Hitchcock movie, yeah. and Guys and Dolls, the not-Hitchcock movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> Herman J. Mankiewicz, and a lot of people should recognize this guy's name. He uh, co-wrote Citizen Kane and won the Oscar for it. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote The Wizard of Oz, co-wrote The Wizard of Oz, because that had a lot of stuff in it. He, um, he was known as a very funny guy. You can definitely see his influence all over this movie. Yeah. And um, he was known as a script fixer. In other words, hey, this script is shit, and it's not funny. Someone picks up a phone and calls usually probably, probably Goldwyn. <laughs> and he says, hey, get over here and fix this fucking script, goddammit. Get me Mankiewicz. That's right. Story by Paul Galico, who was a novelist. And um, his probably his most successful thing was he wrote the book The Poseidon Adventure because hmm. he just got an itch. He was like, I want to I want to write a book about a ship that turns upside down. <laughs> <laughs> I've wasted too much of my life. I'm finally going to do it. I'm going to write the upside down boat novel. Starring Gary Cooper as Lou Gehrig. You know who Gary Cooper is. He's done some if you don't stuff. Know who, he's done westerns. He's done, you know, he did this picture. He did Sergeant York. He mm. did all of these other things. Pretty much playing the same guy. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. It was Gary Cooper being Gary Cooper. Right? Yeah. That's why I call him. That's why I call him. <laughs> that's why I said that thing earlier. My brain don't work. That's why he's the Kevin Costner yeah. of his age. You know or what Kevin you're... Costner is the Gary Cooper of yeah. his age. You know what you're getting, and if that's what mm. you want, it'll be fine. <laughs> it used to be Harrison Ford, but he has range, yeah. so it's now fallen to Kevin Costner. <laughs> he, he occasionally makes efforts in terms of his acting. <laughs> that's right, if he's interested. If he's interested. Mm-hmm. Teresa Wright is Eleanor Gehrig, and she was in Little Foxes and Mrs. Miniver. She didn't have a. She didn't do a whole lot, but you know, maybe if you guys want to watch Little Foxes or Mrs. Miniver, I don't know why you'd want to do that, but you could probably you could watch that. She's in it. Babe Ruth as himself. Why is he third build? I don't know. Maybe because he's the most famous baseball player in the world. And um, you know what's funny? What? He's not terribly likable in this movie. He's really not. (laughs) 
his first appearance, he's, he's trying to shove half a hokey down his throat, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure he's drinking a beer. And parts of this movie is like, oh, yeah, you think you're so great, Babe Ruth. <laughs> Luke Gehrig is a real deal. <sighs> Walter Brennan is Sam Blake, and he was in a lot of westerns. Oh, my God, yes. And he's the guy who talks like this. I'm, hello. Hey, it's me, Walter Brennan. I'm Walter Brennan. I've been on, you know, Rio Bravo and other stuff. And when you want to do an old prospector guy, it's this voice. Just don't ask me to discuss my politics. He's very close to old prospector voice. Yeah. Or cookie voice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Everybody, old, the, let's eat some beans. The old guy at the campfire who remembers, like, the fucking Spanish-American War. Or no, or, no, the Mexican-American War. Pardon me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It really is too bad we lost it. Otherwise, we, we could still own slaves in Texas. Yeah. I know General Grant when he was just a colonel, I did. <laughs> Dan Duria as Hank Hanneman, and he did a lot of villain roles. Like 200 of them. <laughs> um, Elsa Jansen is Mom Gehrig, and she was in Blonde Venus, and she had a lot of uncredited little tiny parts throughout movies uh, up to this point. Ludwig Stossel is Pop Gehrig. He did a lot, and he uh, fled Germany. For some reason, something happened. I don't know what happened, but somewhere in the 1930s, a lot of people decided to flee Germany. I don't know why. Do you know why, Steve? Uh, there was something about uh, there was some kind of change in government that a lot of people didn't okay. like. I think was the deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Virginia Gilmore is Myra a lot. Bill Dickey as himself. He's a baseball player. Yes, he is. Isn't Bill? Yeah. Ernie Adams as Miller Huggins a lot. Pierre Watkins as Mr. Twitchell, and he has the singular distinction as being the first actor to ever play Perry White in the Superman serials. Oh, cool. Yeah. Harvey, oh, sorry, Harry Harvey as Joe McCarthy. No, not that one. <laughs> the other one. The, the Yankees manager, not the bad one. Right. Uh, Robert W. Musel, uh, Musel as himself, another baseball player. Uh, Mark Koenig as himself, another baseball player. And Bill Stern as himself, a real announcer. Yep. And a sports journalist. And he went on to have a long career. We all know who he is. That's not true. That's. I'm just going to start putting fake stuff in to see if anybody's paying attention. Uh, Addison Richards as coach, 300 films. God That's damn. Save some for somebody else, Addison. Jesus. <laughs> Hardy Allwright as Van Tool, a lot. Edward Fielding as clinic doctor, a lot. George Lessie as the mayor of New Rochelle, um, a, a lot. Mm -hmm. Edgar Barrier as hospital doctor. He was with the Mercury Theater players hmm. under Orson under Welles. Under Orson Welles, yeah. And, yeah. and he appeared in a couple of his movies. Uh, Douglas Croft as Lou Gehrig as a boy. And he has a distinction. You know what that distinction is? I do happen to know what this I'm distinction is. I'm not letting is. you say it since you still steal okay, stuff you say me. it. You say it's it. Mine. You say he it. He has the distinction as being the first person to ever portray Robin in the Batman serials. Yep. I know how much that meant to you because Robin is your favorite character. I love Rob. Well, yeah, the original Robin. Yeah, I love. Yep, yep. Dick Grayson. Dick Grayson. Not yeah. not Damien. <laughs> <laughs> Damien's fine. I don't have anything against Damien, but yeah. Well, then which one do you hate the most? Which one do it's I? It's not hate? Jason. Is it Jason Todd? I don't hate any of them. I think Jason is my least favorite. Well, there you go. But I don't hate him. I he should have. He should have stayed dead. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I agree. Everyone else is like Jesus. Oh fuck no. 
not this argument. Look, all I'm saying is the fans voted. They voted one to kill him. Right. They killed him. He should have stayed dead. I agree. And also it became a, a defining moment in Batman's character history. That meant It became a defining moment in comics because a lot of comic book com- companies got really icked out by what happened. <laughs> They're like, you let them vote on who lives or who dies. And they thought for sure that they'd vote for him to live. And they didn't. And they went, ew. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Gene Collins as Billy, age 8, David Holt as Billy, age 17, and uh, Frank Phelan as Yankees third base base coach, uncredited, C. Montag Shaw as Mr. Worthington, uncredited, and James Westerfield as Spectator, uncredited. Music by Lee Herlin. And uh, Lee got a lot of work. He did the um, themes, or excuse me, the music for Snow White, mm. Pinocchio, and Perry Mason. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Cinematography by <laughs> Rudolph. Mat- what? Just, just the Perry Mason just seems so random. It's like he did it the music for really these, out of. He did the music for these classic Disney, like lush, animated, mm-hmm. epic, classic films, and right. also Perry Mason. Well, you should have seen his first treatment for the Perry Mason theme. It was very much a Disney opening. <laughs> Not the badass theme that is the best part about that Perry Mason show. Yeah, for sure. Uh, cinematography by Rudolph Matei, and he did films like Gilda and To Be or Not To Be. He was also a producer and a director. He, he There's too much to list at this point. <laughs> Edited by Daniel Mendel, apparently nothing. So <laughs> I, I looked, I couldn't find... Production company Samuel Goldwyn Pictures, distributed by RKO Radio Pictures. It was released on July 14th, 1942, running time 128 minutes. Box office. (laughs) The only box office that I have, the only one that I could find, was $3 million in rentals. So I don't have the initial box office nowhere. Don't you look it up? I hear you. I'm not looking it up. I'm not looking. You're doing something. I was looking up something else, but I don't know if I'll be able. How dare you have a chat open while we're supposed to be reviewing this? I'm looking up something for the show. Are you telling the Garrick family that we're doing it? (laughs) (laughs) I've been trying to get them to sign off on it, and they're just being dicks about it. All right, you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. You ready to run into 1942, the country's at war? Oh, yeah. You're going to feel weird about being a healthy, healthy guy? Well, I'm, I'm exempt now. I'm 50. I'm 51. There's no way. <laughs> They'll never take Unless you. Unless I'm going to get a clerical position or something. Or, or, or the war is going really bad. Maybe I could be in the USO and I could remu- review movies for the troops. Oh. Uh, <laughs> right take before me. showing it to them. <laughs> take me with you. This is a piece of shit, guys. You'd be better off going back to your tents and preparing to die. Because, oh boy, being gunned down by Germans is better than watching this film. And now, Bambi. <laughs> Go get them, boys. And then back behind the screen, I'm trying to tempt Bob Hope to cheat on his wife. You can Just do it. Just for shits and you gigs. You can do it. You're surrounded by beautiful ladies all the time. You're doing that thing. It's not working. Bob, come on, man. You are in a consequence-free environment over here. You need to go for it. Nobody's going to know. It's the 40s and you're Bob Hope. We've got you. We've got your back. Half the actresses here have only been in like one or two things uncredited, and they had one line. Uh, Yeah, you've got a point there. They served their purpose. The guys looked at them, whistled, and got all upset later on. (laughs) Oh, shit. Just say that she doesn't get lost in a blitzkrieg or something. I don't you know, know what they're doing here. 
<laughs> you never know what's going to happen. Oh, boy. Are we in the mood oh, boy. to review this fucking movie? <laughs> hey, here we go. We just made Bob Hope into a complete monster <laughs> just... in a mini skit that a... revealed more about ourselves. A monster. Than... <laughs> a monster that you talked him into becoming. That's right. Apparently just because you wanted to. Yeah, I'm a one-woman gal, but who says you can't be a five-woman gal, especially if four of those women are dead? <laughs> Don't listen to Bing, Bob. Listen to me. Come on. Yeah, Bing's too busy beating up beating up soldiers that looks like his kids. <laughs> Shit. You made it darker. Ta-da! Yay. Okay. Come on, you're only... A pair of stockings and two whiskeys short of happiness, Bob. <laughs> Reach for the brass ring, Bob. So, Come on. for those that are still listening, let's go into 1942, <laughs> where we're going to learn what a true baseball man is like, right, Steve? That's right. No scandals. No scandals. Works hard. Absolutely. Works hard, and his mom wants to fuck him. Um, yo, so let's go. Yeah. More about that later. <laughs> we'll get there. That is not a joke. <laughs> no, that's that is in the movie. It's great. It's great. <laughs> it's great. It's great. It's great. All right, then that's you and me. Pick up our mitts and bats and caps, and run into the world of the. I forgot the name. The the, the pride of the Yankees. There you go. I wanted to say the greatest story ever told, <laughs> which shares some DNA. You it's know. similar, maybe. Story of Jesus and the story of Luke uh, um, You know, a morally unblemished hero. I'm really surprised he didn't ascend into heaven at his speech at the end. <laughs> Doffs his cap as he reaches for the clouds, you know. Right, yeah. right, exactly. Um, All right. Well, actually, uh, our, our World War II-themed banter is somewhat appropriate. Because what I was actually looking up a minute ago, and I couldn't find it, was there. there is an opening title crawl uh, to this. Oh, yeah, there is. Um, that, you know, it tells us, like, oh, this is the story of courage of Lou Gehrig, right? But um, for some reason, they felt the need to tie it into the war effort. Because I guess it was World War II, and every movie has to be about World War II if you're making a and movie. And GIs would be seeing this movie. Yeah. So they said, you know... Well, this is the story of Lou Gehrig, who faced his destiny with the same bravery of our boys over there fighting on the front. And it's like, oh, sure, okay, I guess. Feels a little out of left field, but sure. whatever. Um, yeah, I'm going to believe that, that his career is over and he's been told that he's going to die. And he didn't fall down on the floor and start weeping. Okay, I mean, yeah, bravery. Yeah, yeah. okay. Thanks, thanks, Pally. I feel better. <laughs> I've lost nine of my friends. Yeah, exactly. None of the guys... That I hadn't boot are even alive anymore. So yeah, sure, I'm I'm ready. Thanks, thanks for but, giving me. But yeah, good for Lou Gehrig. Glad he faced the end yeah, with some dignity. Good for him. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I've had mud on my feet in my boots for I don't know two years now. That's great. But I'm sorry that Lou Gehrig had a bummer at the end of his life. <laughs> I got bullet holes in my helmet. I don't know why I'm still alive. Okay. Mm-hmm. Look, uh, your movies are supposed to make us imagine tits and sex and make us feel good about what we're doing. You didn't accomplish either one of those. <laughs> Thanks. Can we watch Casablanca again? Exactly. At least in that, there's an implication that he fucked somebody. <laughs> At some point in his life. At least two somebody. That's true. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So anyway, so after. But I'm that, sure this movie will make me feel better about my wife breaking up with me while I'm serving <laughs> in World War II, <laughs> and my dog is dead, and my mom has had a stroke and she's partially she can't get around. Dad's at the end of his rope. The last letter I got from him smelled like alcohol. That's okay. <laughs> I'm great. <laughs> anyway, let's watch the Lou Gehrig story. <laughs> There were maggots in my food. There were maggots in my food. <laughs> oh, my God. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, boy. The good war. Okay, we're the good going war. way okay. dark. Okay. okay, okay, okay. So we start way before that, though. We actually, we start in, in, the, in the 1910s. And it's a pretty upbeat uh, um, soundtrack with the credits. Yes, there. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, because it's a happy story. It's a happy story. It's a happy story just, of, of Americana. This movie should have should have been waiting for the other shoe, because that's all you're doing through this whole movie is waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah, everything sure is going great for Lou Gehrig, huh, folks? Is it gonna be now, sweetie, that he's diagnosed? He's ten years old. Yeah, just God, he didn't have Lou Gehrig's disease for thirty years. Just shut up. Because I want to time it that we leave right before he gets the bad news. <laughs> oh, he won the World Series. Great. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Now. Now. Let's go. Um, no, so we, anyway. we meet we meet young Lou Gehrig mm-hmm. um, because he's walking. He's just walking down the street and he yeah. sees and he, and he and he sees a baseball fly up. And he crawls under a fence yeah. to see what's going on. And he sees a bunch of kids from the neighborhood playing ball, playing a pickup game. He grabs the baseball. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, I wants to play. And they're like, fuck you, you yeah, Gary. Get out of here, you loser. What do you got? Then maybe we'll let you play if you got baseball cards. And he's like, look, I got, I'm going to name drop about 15 players right now. And end with Babe Ruth. Do you want any of those? And they're like, no. Ruth rookie card. Get away from us, you filth. We are, we're Nap Lajaway fans. <laughs> We we have no truck with any player but the great Holy Nap Lajaway. <laughs> anyway, one kid gets called into home called home and he can't bat. So they say, Hey Gary, you get up here and you hit that you hit the ball and right. we'll take all your cards except for that worthless babe Ruth. Yeah, he's a rookie who'll never amount to anything. If you can find me a, a rookie card that has his original nickname on it, that's worth oh, something. Oh, don't now it's gonna get real dark. We need to <laughs> Oh, we need to re- we need to roll this back in a hurry. Um, or our, our fans need to listen to the Babe Ruth story that we did last year. That's true. We we and did make mention of it. And then they'll hear us have to tell people about his original nickname. Yeah. Anyway, it was um, a different. Actually, it wasn't that different of a time. It was a slightly different time. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So anyway. So yeah. So Lou gets to play. And he gets mm-hmm. he gets to bat, and mm-hmm. uh, he get he you know he he waits for his pitch, and he right. he jerks that bat, and it goes over the fence and breaks a window. Oh shit! Oh no! And he's too busy running the base. All the other kids are like, "Let's go! No juvie for us! <laughs> I don't want to go back to a work gang or get my fingers clipped off at some sort of garment manufacturer. There's no child labor laws now." But he's too busy running the bases to notice that the cops the cops show up. Yep. Uh oh. And the cop is like, Tootito, what's your name, boy? And I'm not joking, it is an Irish cop. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and he's like, I'm Lou Gehrig. And I'm the star of this picture. Get your hands off of me, Get you your filthy f- mick. And he's your- like, Oh dear <laughs> Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> he takes him home, and we meet his mom and his dad. And can I ask you a question? Uh huh, sure. Why is it that in these older movies, 
um, that the mother is always 60 years old. <laughs> like, always? I don't know. It's like, it's the Ma and Pa Kent syndrome. It's like... I it, think yeah. what it may be is that back in the old days, you couldn't... I mean, he's, what, 9, 10? Something like that, Which yeah. at best would maybe make her 28 years old. You would, yeah. Maybe, yeah. considering how young people were having having kids back then. Yeah. Um, and she wouldn't be unattractive. And I think they have this thing about when you have a mother character, she needs to be completely unattractive because right. you don't want the audience, the male audience members, to get weird boners when they're looking against what's supposed to be someone's <laughs> right. mom. She needs so to be matronly. Say, well, the audience, yeah. the audience, they need, she needs to be 60, which I guess she had gave birth to him in her 50s, sure. which made her a miracle baby. He was, he was and, a surprise. He was a nice surprise. Which may explain why she's so obsessed with him. But anyway, yeah, well, oh, yeah. the cop brings him in and says, he broke the window. She goes over. She pays off the guy whose window is broken. And the cop is like, you really hit the hell out of that ball. Then she, she touches his butt. I mean, he, she, she slaps his butt. Yeah. And um, is this the first time that they have the discussion about him becoming an engineer? I, I think so. I, yeah, yeah, because because after this is when we flash forward. So yeah, he, she mentions that the mom is a cook at Columbia University. The best cook. Apparently. Yeah, apparently. And uh, his dad's a janitor. And his dad's a janitor. And and her dream. And he's also like in his late seventies. Yes, he's also exactly. <laughs> and and her dream for for her little Lou is that he's going to become an engineer. He's going to go to Columbia where she works as a cook. And I guess that means he'll definitely get in because she's a cook. Um, yeah, she's gonna pull some of her important. Or I'll poison <laughs> all of them. Oh wait, she has an accent. Or I'll poison all of everybody will die. Sincere. Mama Gehrig. One of the most prestigious universities in the country. Oh, but your mom's a cook. Mm. Your mom works here as a cook, so we'll let you in. Um, yeah. I mean, he, she has some yeah. fucking relative that was an engineer that she reveres. Yeah, an uncle or something. Yeah, so the idea is uncle that Lou's going to... Yeah, yeah, there you go, yeah. So the, the idea is that Lou's going to grow up and he's going to go to Columbia and he's going to become an engineer. Um, yeah, because yeah. baseball is verboten. No baseball. I don't know what nationality they're supposed uh, to be, but they're first generation. He's a first generation kid. Yeah. His parents came over on the boat from somewhere. Wherever. From country. Europe. <laughs> from Europe. And she, But she has this big deal. She's going to become an engineer, right? Yeah, absolutely. So we cut, cut to college and... Uh, Lou is like serving food to a bunch of frat boys. Right. Like 40-year-old frat boys. Yeah, well, and 40-year-old Lou, to be fair. You know, mm -hmm. they're non-traditional students. Yeah, that's right. And uh, they're having a discussion about whether or not to let Lou into the frat, right? Right. And like, he's a good guy, and he's, you know, uh, he plays baseball for for the college team, I I assume. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And uh, Which, which is how he got to go to Columbia in real life, but they kind of gloss mm -hmm. over that in the movie, yeah. Yeah, and and uh, he goes back and his mom is cooking, because that's one of the things they say, she's the best cook. Oh, yeah. Apparently for this dorm now, <laughs> not this not for, <laughs> not, for yeah, I don't, not for the college, for the for just for the dorm, so okay, whatever. And he's showing off her, his pin, and she goes, oh, first you get into school and now you have a pin. Oh, Lou. And this is where we start getting creepy Oedipus shit. Yeah, because, because Lou says, well, now that I've got the pin, they say I'm supposed to give it to my best girl. That's right. And he gives it who's, to his mom. Who is my, my best girl, mom? Oh, tell me who's you're my, my best, best girl. girl. He, I'm your best girl. Oh, that's right. 
That's right, Mama. Do you want me to put the pen on you? Why don't you poison? <laughs> Why don't you poison the guys and put them to sleep for a little while? Oh shit! Oh, oh let, me, let me put the pen on you. Let me see how it looks. <laughs> oh <laughs> fuck yes. Uh, yeah, so that's that's happening. Yeah, that's happening. That's happening in this movie. We're we're we are exaggerating a thing that is actually in the movie. Just so we're clear, <laughs> that is actually in the movie. But then we cut to some darn baseball men, and at first I was like, "Oh, neat! The, the feet are talking to each other because you see two pairs of feet <laughs> up on a desk." And they're like, "Oh, what do you think, Joe?" And he's like, "Oh, I have no soul." Ha 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 ha! Ja, shoe joke. Anyway, uh, baseball interrupts their conversation. Because it comes flying through the windy. Yeah. Hmm. And uh, the guy stands up and he goes, "Yo, wow, I, you know that's that, that's that Garrig out there. On he just hit that. I'm gonna attach myself to him like a lamprey for the rest <laughs> of his natural life. <laughs> I'm gonna be his best friend." And they talk about how great he is and da 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 and blah. <sighs> And now I wrote something in my notes that I'm fairly certain. No, it's not. It, I thought for a second it pertained to his to his mom, a scene with his mom, but it isn't. Okay. Okay. He's becoming known as a, as a big as a big baseball guy yeah. in 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 the school. Mm-hmm. And I wrote just fuck her before she demands you to. And that's why I thought it was about his mom, <laughs> but it's not. It's about this girl Myra that he meets. Yeah. Because <laughs> she's like all she's digging him hard. Right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And they go up on the stairs and they have a little chit chat and he he pours his heart out to him because he's he's a nice guy. Yeah, I don't mean nice guy like we mean it now. He's just uh, he doesn't know how to dance. He does, he's really not you know he has no vices as near right. as we can tell. He's a but he's a pure frat, heart. He's a pure innocent yeah. soul. Yeah, yeah. But his other frat brothers are listening to him talk to her back and forth, and she's like, "I want the D. Give me give me the D." And he doesn't even know what that think, means. Huh? <laughs> he, he is missing every double, triple, and quadruple entendre that she's throwing at him. He's like, oh, can you stick your bat in my hole? And he's like, well, where's the hole? And I'll be glad to stick a bat in it for you. didn't bring my bat to dinner, but... Uh, we'll go. probably have to go home. I'll get a bat. Is the hole pre, pre-dug, or do you want me to do that? I'll be, I'm will be. i happy to dig the hole. <laughs> he's like, god damn it. Son of a bitch. Look, I'm just going to rub my crotch on your leg, okay? <laughs> Are you saying you want to get married? Is that what this is? <laughs> well, I kind of have a girlfriend. It's my mother. <laughs> I can't really... I don't know how I'd tell her. But the guys are listening. And then we cut to the next day. He's still serving food, even though he's in the frat. Yeah. And then we experience the gentlest frat hazing ever. <laughs> where they kind of make fun of him for the things that he said. Right? Yeah. To that girl. Yeah. That girl gave him a couple of roses that he tries to press into into some books because he's kind of a sentimental dude. Yeah. Right? Exactly. He's like, I'll remember that time she asked me to dig a hole and put a bat in it forever. <laughs> <laughs> and, but they're kind of making fun of him. And then one of the guys pulls out that flower, right? Yeah. And he launches himself across the table to start beating him to death or, you know, just getting in a fight. Yeah. But the fight is interrupted because who shows up, Steve? I can't remember. It's a representative from the Yankees. Oh, that's that right. Recruit him. That's right because he is Mr. And he Mr. doesn't Big believe Time it at Baseball. first because he thinks it. Yeah, he thinks it's the fat fucking with him. Yeah. Um, and he's like, no, 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 no. I don't need to do that. But uh oh, Steve, <gasps> Mama's sick. Oh, Mama is sick. And she how has, are they gonna uh, pay for it? <laughs> she no. I mean, it's an important disease. It's um, movie. <laughs> it's movie disease. 
It's movie disease. It's, Ma's sick. They can't afford the hospital. Mm. So the only reason that Lou Gehrig ever played professional baseball yeah. was to save his mama's life because who is he going to fuck if she dies? Exactly. And and so he signs the contract, and he's like, do you even know what you're signing? And he's like, Nyeh. and then he takes the money, puts his mom up, and then him and his dad agree to lie to her about it because she really wants him to be an engineer, and I guess she'll chop him up and debate if she ever finds out. <laughs> exactly. Because Pop is is legitimately scared of how she's going to react, right? right? Exactly. So, yeah, the idea is that Lou's going to go off, and cause the, mm-hmm. the, the Yankees want to send him to Hartford first to get some yeah, seasoning for, yeah. in the minors. So get, season him up, get him ready. And so he tells his mom that, you know, he's go. Actually, no, there, there's one of these, you know, corny scenes where he he tells his mom, oh, um, I have to go to Hartford for a while, and she thinks and she, that he says Harvard. Harvard. And she's like, oh, you're going to Harvard, my little Lou. What a great engineer I do like. I do like the bits about him and his dad, you know, silently gesturing to each other, who's going to do this? Right. <laughs> who's telling her? Because I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah, so he She'll goes... kill people and we'll have to move again. You can kiss your baseball career goodbye when we have to change our names, Lou. <laughs> um, but he goes off to Hartford. Yeah. He has a really good time because he gets immediately brought back to New York. Yeah. Almost immediately. Pretty much. But the news has, has hit the papers. Uh-oh. Everybody right? knows except Mama. Everybody. Yeah, Mama's out hanging up her clothes. She's so proud of her son who is becoming an engineer because everyone is saying, you must be really proud of your boy Lou. And she's like, yes, I am so much. So proud of him being an engineer. <laughs> Why was he and in the paper of- for being an engineer? <laughs> And she doesn't. And then everyone runs in and shows her, right? And uh, the father tries to escape out a window. <laughs> and uh, Lou shows up, and he's like, and then he sits his mom down on his on his lap yeah. and talks to her like a child. Yep. And he tries to put the moves on her, but she's so disappointed that she don't want to have sex. No, with Lou. she's just not in and the she mood. Locks her, she locks herself in a robe. Yeah, and. Um, he tries to explain, look, you were dying. I don't remember that part. And he said, I had to save your life, Ma. And she's like, go away. And then, um, but then Pop and Ma talk. And he's like, you've never been to a game. You don't understand anything about it. Why don't you go? It'll be good for you. Yeah. You'll show up. So they show up at the park, like, I don't know, three days early. Because <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're the they're, only people there. They're the only people in the stands. They're watching, they're watching the, the, grounds, the grounds crew get the, the field ready. And she's like, I don't know what's going on. Why am I here so early? <laughs> Pop should have just said, because if you have a freak out, there won't be as many witnesses, okay? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And Lou, it's Lou's first day. And uh, he's in the locker room. The name on his locker is handwritten, and he's walking past all the other greats from that era when he first joined. He's looking at those names, including Babe Ruth. Mm-hmm. Babe Ruth stumbles in like a drunken baboon with a sandwich <laughs> hanging out of his mouth. <laughs> he's not doing too bad of a job portraying himself. <laughs> Let's play some ball, fellows. Yeah, remember that time you were on heroin, babe? Well, do that, but you got a sandwich crammed half down way down your throat. He's like, I got it, pal. Remember. <laughs> um, and then all of a sudden we cut to a montage. Oh yeah, where Lou Gehrig is a ghost, and pennants keep keep flying past him. <sighs> Life goes it's by like, fast, doesn't it, Lou? Yeah, and it's and finally the last one is there in Chicago. Playing the Cubbies. Yeah. 
and uh, there's he and he hasn't been called up. He's just been sitting on the bench. Right, exactly. He hasn't actually Watch. been playing. Yeah. And finally, uh, Cappy says, "Okay, you're up." And he gets up and he trips on some bats, and he falls over. And a mean lady, yeah, up there calls him Tanglefoot. Ha ha! And the whole everybody's laughing at him as he's going up to bat, right? Yeah. But that that insult lady sure is pretty. She sure is. Now, if this had been a worse movie, when he got up there, he would have hit a home run. But he didn't, did he, Steve? No, no, he didn't. He got, he got on base. Yeah, exactly. He got on he base. He got a hit, yeah. Look, got a hit. And then what happened almost immediately after that? Well, he looks at the pretty lady, and she's like, I'm wet. And then he, he's <laughs> like, meh. And then he tries to take second because there's another grounder. And uh, he gets tagged out because yeah. they're, they're going for a double play. And then uh, something happened that should have probably killed him, but didn't. Because <laughs> <laughs> as the second baseman was thrown to first, the ball hits him directly in the head. Yeah, yeah. Ouch. And he's like, no, I don't do this. Like, Lou, your brain's leaking out of your ears. You need, to, you need to come back. And everyone's like, yay. And now we're in an Italian restaurant. Yeah, the team is there, like, hanging out. Yeah, and uh, the lady's there. Yeah, and, and it, uh, it turns out she's like yeah. a member, like her daddy is somebody important. Her daddy is like a hot dog millionaire. Yeah, he's rich. Yeah. He's very rich. And uh, she walks past uh, Lou Gehrig's table, and he trips her, and she falls over and breaks her coccyx. She rolls around on the ground for a little while, screaming in pain, <laughs> saying, I can't move my legs, I can't move my legs. <laughs> But he did that because he tripped over those bats and she called him Tangle. Yeah, he's like, now we're even, motherfucker. <laughs> and he turns back and coldly returns to his dinner. And then we cut to the train, right? Now they'd have a little chit-chat. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Because at its heart, this movie is a love story. Oh, yes. And so uh, we cut to the train. And um, all the guys start whistling, and they're like, oh, a hot, ba- a hot babe should have walked in. Well, it was babe, the babe, and he got a brand new straw hat. That's right. And everyone's kind of making fun of him, and he's like, you guys destroyed my hat. And this is a fun scene simply because I hate Babe Ruth so much. <laughs> you just enjoy- And I would, take, I would take part in this if I understood how one could <laughs> bite, chew, and digest a hat. But um, they secretly take his hat away, and they start taking bites out of it. Yeah. And swallowing the pieces. Yeah. And it gets to Lou Gehrig, and they're like, take a bite out of it. You won't be one of us unless you eat his hat. <laughs> and they're like, okay. And he takes a bite, and they said, no, take a bigger bite. You must taste of the of hat that. if you want to join the club. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then uh, his second bite is kind of loud. Yeah. The babe hears it, sees Lou Gehrig with his destroyed hat. <laughs> And then I guess Babe decides to fight everybody because he said, you guys wrecked my hat, and they wrecked it again. We cut to the reporters, and one of the reporters is like, I hate, I hate Lou Gehrig, he's boring. The other guy's like, well, he has no scandals, he doesn't, you know, he's not in the front page of the newspapers every day because he got high on horse tranquilizers and tried <laughs> to fuck half of New York like some other player that we won't mention who we're obviously alluding to. <laughs> but... He's, he's a guy who shows up, he does his job, he's, he's polite, he's a gentleman. I like him. I like him better than Babe Ruth, and the other guy is like, I don't care, I like scandal or something. I don't know what I like. He has no personality, is what he says. Fuck Lou Gehrig. Yeah, fuck Lou Gehrig, fuck you. I don't care if he does die of a tragic illness. You want me to like him now because he ate Babe uh, Ruth's hat? Big whoop. I could eat a hat if I really wanted to bad enough. So, uh... 
this tiny little scene in which uh, Lou is mentioning uh, about something in Chicago. He bought a tuxedo, right? Right. And he's packing it to go to Chicago. And Ma looks like she's jealous about the idea of there being a woman in Chicago that Lou maybe might want to have sex with. Yeah. Am I imagining that reaction, Steve? I, I don't think you are. I think that is... I'm not at all. <laughs> I, think, I think that is quite deliberately a choice that the filmmakers made. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he goes to Chicago, and he's, he is going to hook up with, I can't remember her name. Eleanor. Claudia? Eleanor. Eleanor, right? Yeah. And how they're going to hook up, he's going to wear a tuxedo, because mm-hmm. he's a little bit of a bumpkin, yeah. and he's never had sex. He's a virgin, and uh, I, yeah, he, he doesn't, he, but when, he'll know it's the right woman when he starts calling her mama. <laughs> Put this apron on. Um, so they go to a carnival. An extended carnival scene. Oh, yes. I don't know what this scene was trying to say, other than he runs around and he's like, yeah, I've, he's doing a pitching thing, and he, and he wins like $500, right? <laughs> right. And then he does the, the strength the test hammer, machine. The hammer, yeah. He fails the... Yeah. And um, then he eventually wins that, and um, then they want to go eat, and it's time for our mandated-by-law musical number. Because <laughs> they go to a dinner club, right? right? And they have some more talking about, you know, relationships and shit. And she thinks he's on the make. Right. He, she thinks that he's like a lot of other baseball players who has some dime store Sally at every single stop that they go <laughs> right. to. Right. She says baseball players are like sailors. And probably got gonorrhea and syphilis and everything else. <laughs> she was like, I almost hooked up with Babe Ruth, but he had diseases that no one... Some of those diseases came from animals. I don't even know what they are. <laughs> I couldn't even get near him. I started to vibrate. Thankfully, he ate five pizzas and fell asleep half naked. <laughs> In the restaurant. <laughs> yeah, he stood up, took both his trousers and his, and, his, and his underwears down and said, let's get to it, honey. And then he just fell right over. <laughs> exactly. Ah, oh, babe. He missed another game and the, you know, the, 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 the owners made up some other reason, like he was helping a sick kid get across the country or something. The idol know. of millions. <laughs> um, and then we cut to Babe doing what he does best a publicity stunt yes and I love this scene oh yes okay so they're at the hospital right mm-hmm. and there's a little sick kid and of course as mandated by law his name is Billy mm-hmm. he's this little kid he's, he can't use his legs yeah he's in the hospital he's real sick they never say what he has but it's implied that it's like really serious possibly terminal it's the same disease that his mom had yeah exactly <laughs> It's the disease that no one ever wanted to say its name, which was probably polio. That, yeah, yeah. And uh, and the babe's like, well, I'll tell you what I'll do, Billy. In the game today, I'll suck a homer for you. And Billy's like, oh, great. Thanks, babe. Who's that standing behind you? And it's Lou Gehrig. <laughs> My favorite part in that is that it, I don't even know if Babe Ruth knew how bad this makes him look. Oh, yeah. Because it's a media press coverage event about him helping a little kid. Yeah. And he says, what do you want me to hit it? The right, center, or left? And the kid doesn't say anything. He goes, center it is. And he leaves. <laughs> and everyone leaves. The press follows behind Babe, and uh, Garrick is there. 
And the kid's like, you're big, you're Luke Gehrig. And he's like, yep. And he says, if you loved me, you'd hit two home runs. And he's like, even him, he's like, geez, uh, that's a pretty tall order, kid. <laughs> kind of asking a I lot. I mean. Do that, geez, Louise. And he's like, well, what, I'm going to die from whatever. And he's like, fine, fine, I'll do it. I guess I'll, I'll just, do it. I guess I'll go do it because I can hit home runs at will. And the guy who's been following him since college sees that. Yeah. And he thinks that's great. And it's really supposed to show the difference between Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. Babe Ruth, press coverage, doesn't really mean what he says. He's not really there. He doesn't give a shit about the kid. He's just there for the photographs and the microphones. And Lou Gehrig is there by himself giving advice to the kid, you know, saying, hey, you can do anything you want if you put your mind to it. And I have no doubt that... You know, you'll walk again. I, I'm not a doctor. I barely know how my body works. But if you do it, and the kid's like, yay. But it's supposed to contri- compare and contrast. Yeah, exactly. Luke Garrick has an actual moment connecting with the kid by himself for no publicity. And contrast that to, to Ruth, who is just a publicity machine. Right, Right. exactly. Mm-hmm. Who cares that in real life? <laughs> Garrick actually got... Um, Babe Ruth's publicity agent who tried to get him into movies. He's actually in a couple. He's not mm-hmm. good. But he no. was going to replace Johnny Weissmuller as Tarzan, and they took a picture of him in a leopard cl- in a leopard skin cloth. <laughs> Edgar Rice Burroughs, the guy who created Tarzan, t- told them to say, tell Lou Gehrig that I think he's an excellent first baseman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't want to hurt his feelings. He's a, such a sweet man. <laughs> he's a nice guy. <laughs> Don't do this. <laughs> please, please, God, no. Don't let this happen. I haven't made enough money from my Tarzan. Did you know he goes to Mars? Okay, Edgar, we talked about this. We don't want... We know they're connected. We know We know that John Carter of Mars and Tarzan are connected, but it makes you look really crazy if you keep connecting them. But he did. I, I don't think so. He went to Barsoom, which everyone knows is the actual name of Mars in my books okay. because they speak a different language there. Uh-huh. Okay, shh, 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 shh. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's always good to see you, Edgar. Oh, I created oh a cinematic universe before anybody else. They just refused I to connect know. them. I know. <laughs> anyway, so they so now we cut to the game and we have we an old-fashioned batting war because Babe hits his home run. Yeah, and uh, the the the, public, the guy who likes Babe Ruth and doesn't like Garrick, uh, uh, yeah, um, he gives the announcer a little slip of paper that says he's doing this for some crippled kid, and he comes on and he says, "Holy shit, folks! He's doing this for some fucking crippled kid." Named Billy, no last name, just believe what I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> and so Ruth hits hits the, the ball, he gets his home run, the kid's laying there and he's like, meh. <laughs> okay, that's nice, I guess. And then as Garrick is getting up, the, his, uh, his guy goes in there and he uh, places a bet. Uh, not a bet. He, he does that later. He gives a yeah. slip of paper and the announcer's like, fuck ball shit, everybody. Listen to this. Garrick is he's going to hit two home runs for this little crippled kid. <laughs> the nerve of this Billy kid. I mean, <laughs> have you ever heard of such a thing? I wanted the next one to say, oh, crap. Um, well, the team has pledged escalating numbers of home runs to this Billy kid. <laughs> The starting pitcher of the Yankees has promised to strike out every Chicago batter. Don't see how that's possible since we're well into the game. <laughs> oh, and, 
Anyway, um, <coughs> excuse me. <laughs> Bill Dickey said he'd grow wings and fly around. Any. He... <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, so Lou 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 hits the first home run. Does Lou? And no, Lou hits first. It's Babe. Then well, it's that, Lou. yeah, no, yeah, but yeah. Lou Lou hits the first of his two. Oh, the one promised. that he promised, right, right, right. Yeah, and then he spends the rest of the game like. He strikes out or, or keeps, you know, he can't get on base because he's trying so hard to hit the second home run. Because mm-hmm. um, he now really he's up, wants to hit the home run for the up. kid. There are three runner, there are two runners on, and they are walking him because they don't want right. to run the risk of him getting a, you know, hitting anything, basically. Right. If he hits a grounder, um, then one of those guys is going to run in, they're going to win the game, right? This is the World Series. You've got to take it seriously. So they're gonna they're gonna throw him. They're gonna soft pitch him. He's just gonna they're gonna walk him, right? Yeah, yeah. But what happens? He hits a home run somehow. Somehow. Somehow he stayed in the batter's box and hit a home run off a yes. ball intended to not. Okay, guys. It doesn't Steve, work that way, Steve. <laughs> what kind of pitch needs to be thrown in order for you to hit a home run? Usually a strike. Yeah, a strike. Yeah. But what lends more power to it? It's usually a fastball. A fastball, yeah, because the faster it comes in, the faster it'll go out. Exactly. Yeah. It has to have a good deal of power. Unless you're a super strong batter and you can hit off of something else, it's usually when the pitcher makes the mistake of throwing a fastball, that (laughs) which needs to be a strike usually. Yeah. And so he's not pitching for power. He's pitching away. The, right, the, the exactly. catcher is statching, standing up to catch some of these some of these pitches. Yeah, a- anybody who's ever seen a baseball game and has seen an intentional walk knows that you're just not going to, even if the batter tries, you're just not going to hit any of those pitches. But somehow like, he does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he hits it into the stands, and he gets his second thing. We cut back to Billy, and he's, like, tearing his shirt off with excitement. He's like, yay, I did it. And you're like, oh, yay, he did it. He, he did he did that thing, and the only thing that ruins it is that none of this fucking happened. <laughs> <sighs> there was never a bat off during a World Series with Babe no. Ruth and Lou Gehrig. I doubt Babe Ruth would permit it. <laughs> no, he would probably like break Gehrig's bats. <laughs> but Good none luck of this up there batting with your arm, Lou. There was no Billy. There was no none. None of this happened. No fucking movie god no damn it i mean things things like it in a very general sense happen like players would visit sick kids and say oh if i hit a homer for you today it don't you know it's got your name on it but yeah nothing like this actual event ever happened mm-hmm. yeah. so they cut they cut to the uh, the yankees train in its station and the yankees i have won the series yep. and they're like fuck fighting in in the train car they're like ripping off their clothes and hitting each other including babe ruth <laughs> And um, Gary gets a little telegraph thing from, from uh, what's her face? Eleanor. Eleanor, whatever. From Chicago. She was important. I would remember her name. Anyway, <laughs> <Ouch>. she... <laughs> Damn. She's like half this movie, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he decides he's going to marry her. So he goes, he leaves the train and goes back to her house, to her mansion. Mm-hmm. In the middle of the night. And he's kind of wandering out around out front, and another Irish cop shows up. And he's like, what you doing here? And he's like, I think I'm going to marry this girl, which is going to ruin my relationship with my mother, but I don't care. I know it's wrong <laughs> to fuck her. And he's like, oh, well, I think I'll ignore that last sentence. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Aren't you Lou Gehrig? And he's like, yeah, I'm Lou Gehrig. I have so wait, issues. Lou Gehrig wants to fuck his mother? 
Oh, well, want is kind of like, I was trained to. Does that make sense? <laughs> I just feel like it's what I'm supposed to do. I don't know. The only rules I knew growing up is be an engineer and fuck your mommy. That's it. <laughs> That's my life. That's what I've been left with. But now I'm asking, maybe I can fuck someone else? <laughs> Who's not a relative? So he rings the doorbell. And another Irish woman answers the door. And she's like, oh, is anybody, is anyone in trouble? And the, the cop is like, yeah, go get the girl, because this guy has made a life decision. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, I've got to see this shit. <laughs> and he comes in, and he stays there. And then uh, they wake up uh, Eleanor, and Eleanor is, is like, are we in trouble? You said a cop is here. Also, Lou Gehrig. And she's like, oh, boy. And oh, I am comes- in trouble. <laughs> She comes running down, the cop leaves, says, oh, I guess I can go now. And then they kiss. That's it. We don't get to see the proposal, right? No. No, we, we figure it out. This is the second time that love and cops have been involved. Or the, yeah. <laughs> because there was a cop involved right before his mother spanked his hiney at the beginning That's of the movie. That's right. And now there's another cop involved because, because he wants to propose. I hope more cops show up later whenever <laughs> sex and mommies are involved. Anyway, <laughs> he's coming home and the whole family, because he's bought this big house, right? Yeah. The whole family is getting ready to surprise him with a hooray. And he shows up and the only person that gets surprised is Mama because he's engaged. Uh-oh. And it's like the bottom fell out of her vagina. She's yeah. so up. She is oh, no. literally upset that his her her daughter her son is moving on in his life in what is normally a very natural way, which is eventually get married and have children. Yeah. yeah. But she seems like a scorned lover, right? Oh, she is not happy at all. She she yeah. is a fucking nightmare. Yeah. She seems like like uh, you know angry and and pouty and jealous. Dad's pops yeah. is fine because he's been in and out. He's been just he's been ignoring everything. Alcohol can do amazing things, but he is <laughs> outwardly very happy that that they are engaged. Right? Yeah, of course. <sighs> so now we find out that the way Mama is going to get back at her is she's going to control her. Right? Yeah. She's going oh to yeah. Control Eleanor. By overriding her on every decision, and uh, oh, you like that wallpaper? Well, you you, you dumb bitch. Yeah. This is the wallpaper, and you'll thank me later. And oh, you wanted to pick your furniture? Fuck you. How about that? How about I know you, what Lou likes. You stole my boyfriend, and I'm gonna do. I know what Lou likes. You know what Lou likes? He likes it when I take my teeth out. That's what he likes. Can you do that? No. You can't please him. <laughs> anyway. Um, Lou notices. Yeah. And then he's like, you know what? Fuck my mother. I mean, not literally. I'm not not doing that anymore, but... I don't want you to join... No, that's weird. Don't think about that, Lou. Don't think about Eleanor and your mom. Oh, it's there already. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, shit. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Now it's Mama with Eleanor's face. Oh, God. (laughs) And Eleanor with Mama's body. Everything's getting mixed up. (laughs) Oh, I'm so confused. Oh, God. What? Why is Babe Ruth here? I'll take one of these gals off your hands, pal. <laughs> I don't have the emotional tools to deal with this. <laughs> anyway, he tells his mom, shut up. 
Yeah, mind your it's, fucking business. I'm I'm giving you money. Shut up. Remember when <laughs> yeah, you wanted I, me to fucking <laughs> become an engineer, and now you're so happy that I'm making all this money off baseball. Shut you, you yapper. I saved your life. If I'd become an engineer like you wanted, you'd be dead. You'd be go, dead right now. Go cook or sit in a go. chair all day. Whatever you old people do. I just do as long as you cash the checks that I send you, old woman. And when I. Fuck my wife, I'm doing it against the shared wall that we have. <laughs> I hope you hear it, and I hope you weep. That's why I said no insulation in that wall. <laughs> I want everybody on the other side of this one to hear everything. <laughs> anyway, while yeah. they're redecorating, they decide to get married. Yep. And a guy comes over, and they get married, and... I guess Mama has gotten over it. Yeah, and it's cute because like all the like the workmen who are putting together the house are there, and you know, mm-hmm. it's like but a cute little scene from a movie. Because he needs to show up to his 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 game. He's That's get right. There. Be- because by this point, his his streak is starting to become a thing. He has not missed a single game since they first put him in the lineup. So and he won't. So no, he won't. <laughs> So they get married, and then they've got to drive, and his buddy that's always been driving him around, or has been around since since that ball went in through the window, he's driving them to the ballpark, and they get pulled over. Did they get pulled over by firemen, Steve? Not by firemen, no. No, because technically they're on their honeymoon. They're having their honeymoon, which means sex. And since we oh, talked yes. about sex, guess who has to show up? It's Cops. It's the policeman. <laughs> <laughs> it's the policeman. And the cops are like, what, Lou Gehrig? Holy crap, we don't care about safety. Run him over as many kids as you want. We need to get him <laughs> to the ballpark. And then pretty soon there's like nine police escorts and a couple of other cop cars to get him to get him to the ballpark on time because he's never missed a game, right? That's right. And I think, is this the one where they even say, like, someone asks him, like, where are you going for the honeymoon, Lou? And Eleanor's like, we're going to Yankee Stadium, of course. Mm-hmm. We're doing it out on the field. <laughs> oh, we're having a honeymoon, motherfuckers. You just wait. <laughs> we're having a honeymoon. <laughs> anyway, so then they settle into married life. And what's his name? The guy, the reporter guy. Yeah. The guy's been following who thinks the world of Lou Gehrig comes in. And um, Eleanor is, is sad, right? Yeah. Because Lou's oh, yeah. not home. Uh-oh. And, and he says, well, you know, every once in a while is fine. And she says, it's happened four times. And he's like, oh, what? And he's like, it's happened four times. And he's like, oh, not Lou Gehrig, not my hero. My whole world is going to cave in if he's not if he's not faithful to his wife. And she's like, and the other thing is I know exactly where he is. And <laughs> and he's like, oh, that does it. I'm going to crush him. I'm going to beat his head in with a baseball bat. How dare he? And yeah. they go driving off to go confront him, right, Steve? Yeah, that's exactly right. He's going he's gonna to teach this Lou Gehrig a lesson. How dare he? We're like, oh, geez, we didn't know this about Lou Gehrig. Oh, man, I didn't know. Already. He's but been hanging out with the babe too much. And it just as, just they pull up, and just before he gets out with a gun and a sack. <laughs> yeah, I'll teach that son of a bitch a thing or two. What nope. does he discover that Lou Gehrig has been doing? He is uh, being an umpire for a group of kids playing, playing baseball. Playing baseball. Yep. And Eleanor is like, ha, ha, ha. Gotcha! Ha ha! Almost the, disillusioned you. And the dude is legitimately angry. He's like, "Fuck you! Oh god damn it! How dare you do this to me? How dare you toy with my hopes and dreams? Don't you realize how much I've invested in this man? Don't you realize how much I admire him? I have bloodlust now. What am I supposed to do with it? 
Which one of these kids am I going to kill to purge <laughs> exactly. this from me? Lou, you got you to gotta do me a solid. You got to keep one of the kids here for a little while after you leave. Can yes, you do which, that? They'll do which anything one of them? You the, the one who's not any good. The one who always fumbles the ball. Like, you, 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 come on, the somebody, one, please. The one with the polio leg. Leave him, the leave him the, here. <laughs> it's for his own good, Lou. Just please give me this one thing. He has no future. <laughs> he has no, it's, the, it's the kind thing, Lou. It's the kind thing to do. No. <laughs> No, no, no. And now it's time for a time travel scrapbook. Yay! Where we just, she's scrapbooking all the things that he does, and, you know, and we see that he becomes team captain, and all that stuff. And now, you know, now we cut to his parents walking in, and they're like, you know what day it is, right? And he's like, no, I don't know. Wink! I have no idea. And the wife is playing along like, yeah, I don't understand. I don't know either. And they're like, come on, you guys got to know. And they're like, no, we don't. They're like, it's your 2000s game. And he's like, I think I'm going to stay home. Wink. I like tormenting my parents to the point of a heart attack. (laughs) What a jokester. (laughs) He's just such a jokester, that Lou Gehrig. But uh uh-oh, Steve. Something happened. Oh, yeah. Well, him and him and uh, well, Eleanor is teasing him about how, oh, it's your 2000th consecutive game. And then they're and tickling and rolling they're like, around. And, yeah. Because and, it, because what he got as they're leaving, the dad's like, they're going to give you a car. And right. the mom's like, they're going to give you a yacht. And he's like, no, I'm going to get a horseshoe with roses on it. That's what I'm going to get. And they're like, no, they'll probably get you like woman slaves if you want. <laughs> he's like, mom, I don't want that. They're going to make you dictator of New York City, Lou. <laughs> Unlimited power. That's a license to kill anybody. Don't you want that, Lou? Don't you want a life completely outside the laws of man, honey? Do you want men, boys from Taiwan? Anything your heart desires, you can <laughs> no, get. No one will stop you. He's like, no, I'm going to go on a horseshoe. The thing, stop bringing up my darkest desires, mother. <laughs> <laughs> the people can refuse you nothing, dearest, because you play baseball good. That's right. Maybe you could order your mother to have sex with you again. Oh, nothing, 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 nothing. <laughs> if you wanted. <laughs> Anyway, no, he comes so back and, and he has a horseshoe. He has a horseshoe. Yeah, yeah that's right. And then they he, start rolling around without taking off each other's clothes for an extended period of time. And I'm like, come on, just take them off. They're just, you don't have to take just, them all off. Just grab her granny panties, slide them down, and just get to it. God damn it. Yeah, like that first sex scene in Damage where they're completely clothed. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, like that movie. Anyway. <laughs> that uplifting movie. Um, How about the, the great sex scene from Monsters Ball? That would be great. Oh, that's not depressing at all. You have to change a couple of things, but yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. I love it when they cry. Um, <laughs> that's some that's quality. Oh, boy. There's an official Steve Shives crow quote. <laughs> when it comes to sex, I like it when they cry. I like a, a, fi- a thick cloud of tragedy to hang over <laughs> my sex scenes in movies. Um, no, uh, but they're, they're, they're just having a scrap. They're just wrestling around. Yeah, they're wrestling you know. and tickling each other and having yeah. fun. Because when she when he gets home, she's, uh, there's a like a folding, uh, whatever you call them, what do you call those things? A, a <laughs> privacy thing. Oh yeah, like a yeah, like a, a, a screen and or something. I was yeah. so certain that there was going to be like a bassinet behind it. Oh but yeah. 
Thankfully, there wasn't. It was just she put a boat and some other stuff that they were kidding around with him that he would right. get. And they're rolling around, and then all of a sudden, he's got a thing in his arm. Oh, yeah. And that's an uh-oh. Uh-oh, because like, here I it comes. <laughs> and now his gains start going bad. Oh, yeah, he's in a big slump. He can't so run. He can't hit. People don't know what's going on with him, right? And uh, at one point, they come back to the locker room. He hasn't shown up yet. One of the players is like, he's not so hot. He's, he's washed up. He's no good. I hate him. I hate him, and I hate his wife. I don't know which one it is. Is it the older woman that's built like a pepper pot, or is it like the really hot one? Um, maybe that's his sister. I don't know which one it is. He treats them both almost exactly the same. It's hard for me to tell. Bill Dickey gets upset and punches him. Punches him out. Yeah. Yeah, and Garrett comes in and he's like, "What's going on, fellas?" And he's like, "Nothing." He's like, "You guys talking about my mom and my wife again?" No. <laughs> and then Bill Dickey punches Garrett. <laughs> it's not your fucking business, Lou. <laughs> Who else wants some? Come on, come on, I'm Bill fucking Dickey. Come on. But uh, then Garrett sits down to take off his cleats and he falls over. Oh, that's not good. All the other guys are like, "Don't hump him up." Let's just make he'll get up on his own. It literally looked like he passed out. Yeah. And now we have, and then he's about to go out. He's waiting to go up and, and bat. And uh, he goes back to the dugout and he tells the manager, I'm done. I'm done yep. for. He says, you better put somebody in for me. And someone else goes in for him and he gives him a smile and says, go for it. Good luck. And then we get some bad news for Lou where they tell him he's really super sick. Without Uh-oh. mentioning the disease that he has. <laughs> or even the letters of the disease. Nope. And then you say, you're pretty much done for. Your career's over. There's nothing you can do. You're going to die. You're going to die, die, die. Now, here's the problem. Ready? Yes. Yeah, I'm ready. Eleanor is the one that convinced him to go see a doctor. Yes. And Eleanor and the doc got the doctors to downplay the outcome. Yes, in real life, that's how it happened. In real life, that's yes. what really happened. Yes. She knew the truth. He didn't. Eventually, she had to tell him what was going to happen. They made it seem very rosy. Like, he'll probably walk with a cane for a few years. Right. You know, they even they even alluded to the idea that he would be able to make a comeback, that he'd get over it. That it wasn't a... He had ALS. He had a detention. Yeah, it was a death disease. sentence, and they knew it. Yeah. 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 Um, but in this movie, that isn't what happens, right? No, in this movie, Lou tells the doctor not to tell Eleanor the truth, but Eleanor figures it out anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not what happened. No. Anyway, he's going no. back to the stadium. And hey, who's that waiting around the stadium door, Steve? Well, there's this, this teenage kid here who's mm-hmm. like, well, I guess like 16 or 17 something. And he's yeah. like, you don't remember me, do you, Mr. Gary? I'm Lou's that like, kid that doesn't exist. Yeah. Lou's like, who the fuck are you? I've had a bad day. I'm, I've got oh, some yeah. shit. And, but it turns out that, yeah, the, it, it's Billy all grown up. He actually did survive and he did walk again. And, you know, that's but nice, I guess. you told me that I could do it and I could do yeah. it. Shame about you, though. (laughs) (laughs) Not that easy for you, huh, Mr. Gehrig? Look at this. My legs work, Mr. Gehrig. Yours won't. (laughs) You're you're right at the beginning of a real dark, real short tunnel, huh? Watch this, Mr. Gehrig. I'm going to tie my shoes. (laughs) Can you do that? I bet I could run the bases faster than you at this point, huh? I took your life energy, Mr. Gehrig, (laughs) to heal myself. Your sacrifice will not be forgotten. Incubus. (laughs) (laughs) 
It's in relation to a succubus, which is your mom. <laughs> I, I am the fruit of your coupling. Your mother never told you. We made the beast with two backs, and I was the result. She kept the secret from everybody. But she always loved you, hence sucking all the life force out of you. Anyway, so long, chump. Yeah, bye. You know, he's like, yeah, and he's like, do you have a ticket for the game today? And he's like, sure I do. And he's like, well, see you around. <sighs> and there's more. I'm sad. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But it's tribute time. It's tribute time. Yay. It's Lou Gehrig Day. It's Lou Gehrig Day. And uh, they have all the guys come up and say stuff. And then uh, Lou Gehrig goes up and he delivers not the speech. No, he delivers a... Um a rewritten version that is is roughly similar yeah. to what the real Garrick said, but they kept yeah. a couple of things. They rearranged a whole bunch of stuff. He says, yeah. "I'm the luckiest man on earth." At the beginning of the speech, not at the end of the speech. Um, they just because he didn't have a speech prepared, he was just talking off the cuff. Right. Yeah. There was no real speech involved. No. And then uh, he stepped down from the podium, and then he walks all by himself to the dugout. As everyone went, "Yay, let's get ready for the game," or some shit. Not like yeah. they're. Yeah, they want the movie wants us to believe that he just walked alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Back he, to the dugout, and that the oh, yeah, umpire and Babe Ruth was there. The umpire immediately says, "Play ball!" Like nobody else as has even had time to get the off the field. There's a podium on stay, uh, out on the field. Yeah, microphones. Yeah. There's a bunch of shit. There's a marching band that needs to get off. <laughs> the umpire's like, "No, come on, we're burning daylight." And he goes and he walks past the dugout and goes into the thing and he slowly eclipsed by the shadow of the of the tunnel. Then someone yells, play ball. And then another person says, someone get Babe Ruth down, please. We, got, we haven't need to use these hooks since he left, left the team. So someone please. We need a net and we need Thorazine. Is anyone... We kind of just stopped buying it because he left the team. Uh boy, am I the only one who's kind of missed this? Oh, God, his pants are coming off. Come oh, on, guys. We missed you, babe. God you bless the, you. You hear the crowd start screaming. Not in, not, not in cheers, but in panic. <laughs> we have children here. Where did he get that gun? God damn it. Oh my God. He keeps saying, you're all going to miss Babe Ruth when he's gone. <laughs> Where did he get that gun? <laughs> oh, shit. Anyway, the end. The end. The Enjoy end. the rest of your day, everybody. <laughs> ah, yes. So, Steve. Yes. How do you feel about this baseball classic that is so true to the actual facts? <laughs> Not a bizarre mixture of hero worship the pride of the yankees <laughs> it is one of the most famous baseball movies of all time and yep. when you sit down and watch it there ain't all that much baseball in there well we've found we've both discovered that that's the case in almost all sports movies that's true that's true that's true um and obviously, the what we see of this version of Lou Gehrig's life is centered on baseball, and the movie shows us that. But but the movie is about his relationships with his parents and his wife, and that's what the movie is really interested in, and that's what the movie is really about. Mm-hmm. And and that choice carries benefits and carries detriments. Um, the benefit of it is that because it focuses less on the sports stuff and more on his personal life, 
Uh, it avoids some of the pitfalls of more typical sports movies. Mm-hmm. We don't really get to know the other members of the Yankees, uh, except for Babe Ruth, but that's mostly because we already know who Babe Ruth is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and Ben, he's playing himself. And he's not, re- again, Babe's not really in the movie that much either. Yeah. Um, he, he has a couple of, of big scenes, but it's not like he's there all the time. Um, so we don't get like, there's not like the supporting cast of colorful characters on the team or anything like no. that. Um, there's no big game. There's no like build to the big championship season. It, and no. and, the, and the, the few gameplay scenes that we do get outside of montages, it seems like they're always playing in the last game of the World Series. It's mm. like that's, that's, the only, that's the only games that they ever played is in World Series. Um, and, uh, and the, you know, the baseball scenes that we do see where a lot of time is spent actually in the moment during the game, they have more personal stakes, like, yeah. you know, trying to hit the home runs for the sick kid, right? You know, so it's not like, will Lou Gehrig hit the home run to win the World Series? It's, is he going to hit those two home runs that he promised Billy? Mm. Um, so, and that lack of attention to typical sports movie tropes also makes room in the movie for Gehrig's parents mm-hmm. and for his wife, Eleanor. And they aren't just flat background characters. We do see them grow and change in ways that they relate to Gehrig and to each other. Um, mm-hmm. Gehrig's A lot mother, of it is his mother getting over stuff. Yeah. Gehrig's mother is... A creepy character in many ways. Like and he's she does, creepy with her. Yeah, he he goes. Yeah, they their relationship, especially early on, is is very is sort of like uh, I don't know. You know, like we yeah. we've exaggerated it to make fun of it, but it is there. Like he does say is his mom in, is his I best girl. I kept asking myself, is this intentional? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't. I I can't imagine that the people who made the movie saw it as creepy as we see it. I, I don't, but then again, it's like, how could you miss it? Like, even in, you know, it's just, he's not, it It doesn't seem like a healthy relationship. It's um, worse than when, it's worse than when Jimmy Stewart kissed his mother on the mouth and it ha- it's a wonderful life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's my best girl. Um <laughs> And uh, but yeah, so but but his mother does go through a little bit of a of, of character growth. You know, she starts out being angry that he's going to be a ball player instead of being an engineer, and she's embarrassed by the fact that he's a ball player and she doesn't like baseball and she doesn't know anything about it. And she's like, "This isn't what we came to America for." And mm-hmm. then as he as she, after she watches him and you know gets to know the game a little and and, and he is very successful, success. he's yeah. very successful, and she realizes, okay, actually this isn't bad and she becomes like she becomes proud of it remember there's that Um, joke where they're pretending that he might retire yes and she's like are you crazy retire from baseball and he said well i'm thinking about become going back and becoming an engineer i always wanted to be an engineer yeah Yeah. and she's like fuck a colado (laughs) i'm gonna piss on his grave tonight take that portrait down i'm shitting on it right here Burn it. <laughs> Never speak his name in this house again. Otto, the fucking idea. Um, but yeah, and you know, we so, and then, and of course, we also see the conflict between his mother and his wife that we talked about, where his mother tries to be, you know, tries mm. to be controlling, and Lou has to kind of step in and say, uh, you know. Um, right. in, in a lot of ways, Garrick's mother is actually the most interesting character in the film. Um, she's also, in many ways, the most uncomfortable to watch because of Unsettling. what a weird, yeah, because of what a weird <laughs> attachment she has to her son. But uh-huh. she, I mean, I mean, Lou doesn't really grow and change all that much. Dad doesn't really grow and change all that much. Eleanor doesn't really grow and change all that much. Like the mother is the only character 
that actually goes through a little bit of character growth and winds up in a different place than right. she started. Um, the downside of focusing on the Gehrig family and the romance between him and his wife uh, instead of the uh -huh. baseball stuff is that the movie mostly replaces the baseball cliches with other kinds of cliches. I mean, the mm. movie is very sentimental. Um, yeah. it, you know, it, it does spend a lot of time on their romance and a lot of that feels very sort of tepid and just sort of like, oh, look, they're nice and charming people. And, you know, oh, they're falling mm -hmm. in love. Isn't that nice? Um, yeah, Garrig is played by Gary Cooper and Eleanor is played by Teresa Wright are charming, likable people. I mean, yeah. it's, e it's easy to root for them. It's easy to want them to be happy. But their story is pretty much standard issue romantic melodrama, you know? And, and, yeah. that, means, and that means for most of the movie that it feels like the movie could be about anybody. Like, we, we know that it's Lou Gehrig's story, but you could change everybody's name and it would be the same movie. Like, it doesn't, Well, they kind you know, of make that point in the film. The sports writer that follows him for the entire time, one of his defenses about Gehrig and why he's so great is that he is just like everybody else. That's true. Just a world-class kind of, baseball player. <laughs> yeah, he just happens to be a world-class baseball player. He's a, he's an everyman like Indiana Jones is an everyman. Like yeah, just because he was the first player to ever have his jersey retired, and he holds right. I don't know how many records. And <laughs> Legitimately one of the greatest athletes in the history of the sport, just like everybody else. <laughs> Right. Um, He's Johnny Sixpack. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. He's just one of the boys. Um, mm -hmm. And also, uh, the movie ends. The movie ends with Lou Gehrig Day at Yankee Stadium, which makes sense as an endpoint for a movie about Lou Gehrig. But mm -hmm. because this isn't really a baseball movie, it, there's something about that ending that feels a little off to me for this movie. Um, it doesn't feel like the right ending for this movie. And the final scene, I think, is well done. I think Gary Cooper performs this version of Gehrig's farewell speech very well. And that mm -hmm. final shot of him disappearing into the shadows behind, you know, as the umpire shouts play ball, like, obviously, that's really heavy-handed. But it's a nice image. Like, you can tell they put yeah. some thought into it, and they're like, here's how we're going to end the movie. This is going to symbolize what is going on. And and it's, it's a nice, sad image to end on. A little right. corny, we're but that's, but that's the whole thing. Ignore movie. the fact that he was third base coach during the All Star game. Right. After yeah, exactly. This. Right. It's not the last time he was ever seen in public. Like He didn't die in that hallway at the end of the movie. <laughs> no, he did he didn't just just, just vanish, you know, like where's Lou? Right. Oh, they must have taken him away. Um <laughs> But it, the thing is, like, it doesn't feel like this movie has been building to that moment. You know, we end on the moment of the end of his baseball career, which has been in the movie, but not what the movie has been about. So it just feels a little sort of like, well, they had to put it in there because it's the story of Lou Gehrig and everybody knows, yeah. you know, you know, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. They had uh -huh. to put that in the movie, but they didn't build the movie up to that point. Um, mm -hmm. The movie also leans very heavily on our foreknowledge of the real Lou Gehrig to justify well, sure. its existence. And this would have been even more apparent at the time because this movie came out like, what, less than two years after the real Lou Gehrig actually died. Yeah. Um, so it was so so people, especially people who were baseball fans or who had just been paying attention, this would have been very, very fresh in their minds. And and this is often a problem with biopics. The film exists because it's telling the story of a real person who is important in some way, but it's hard to get from the film itself why the person was important 
or why they were special enough to warrant having a film made about them. Like it doesn't represent the genius I, or the specialness or whatever of the real person. There well were hints enough. of it. I think that's why they kept comparing him to Babe Ruth. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think they tried. Yeah. I think they tried, but I just, it, it's, you know, it's, it's like, I feel like if you just go by pride of the Yankees and you forget everything else that you know about the real Lou Gehrig, uh, Lou Gehrig seems like a really nice guy, a really good guy who yep. loved his mom and loved his wife and was a good ball player, mm-hmm. and, he, and then he got sick, and and he had to retire, and presumably died young. And and there's nothing wrong with that, but there's nothing in the movie that makes that feel like, oh, this is the sort of thing that there had to be a movie about. You know, nah. it just feels like kind of a nice, sad story about a guy who, as, as he says in the speech, a guy who got a bad break. Um, so, but, so there are good things and there are bad things about the movie. Um, I was not blown away by it, but I didn't hate it either. And I think the parts about it that I like outweigh the parts that I don't like enough that I'm going to recommend it. Um, okay. I, I think the acting is good, especially the leads. Um, I, if you know the movie by reputation only, you might expect it to be some towering masterpiece that's just going to reduce you to a puddle at the end. Um, right. And maybe and maybe, maybe it will. Maybe if you're watching it on your own, you'll have a different experience and you will think like, oh, this is one of the great movies I've ever seen. But for me, it's nowhere close to that. Uh, and I say that as someone who is a huge baseball fan and does have a lot of admiration for the real Lou Gehrig. Um, yep. You know, it just doesn't quite get there for me. But, you know, Gary Cooper is great. It is very cool to see the real Babe Ruth there playing himself. And yeah. I think he does a good job. And the other players, too. And the other players, too. That's right. It's the real Bill Dickey. Um, it's cool. And it's cool to see. We mentioned it a little bit during our summary. Like, you know, Babe does take a couple for the team here. Like, he does allow himself to look like an asshole. Not good. Yeah. So, that, so that Lou can look good. And whether he was just oblivious to that or, <laughs> or whether he knew well, what was I mean, going on. I kind of over-exaggerate my hatred for Babe Ruth. He yeah. had some decent qualities to him. Oh, of course. You know, the, as soon as they heard that... Uh, that uh, you know, Garrig had died. He and his wife rushed to Eleanor's house to comfort her and be there for her without a whole lot of media attention. Yeah. So I think that he he had some genuine qualities about him. He was just out of control for most of his yeah. life. And, and even though, um, you know, and the, the, the movie is not about Garrig and Babe, but it does kind of touch on their relationship a little bit here and there. And I mean, in real life, they did have a very complex relationship. I mean, they were, for a time, they were rivals. They, there was a period where they weren't really speaking to each other. But they then were, there were polar also, opposites, yeah. Yeah, but then there were also times where they were legitimately very close. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a complicated relationship that they had over the years. And I, I think, it, you know, and it's just, as a baseball fan, um, and as someone who, you know, like despite his his many 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 personal faults um he thinks that babe ruth was probably the greatest baseball player ever at least the greatest white baseball player ever um yeah. you know I, it's really cool to see babe ruth in the movie playing babe ruth and i think he yeah. does a good job um so but yeah so i liked the movie i didn't love it uh, i didn't think it was great but uh i thought it was pretty good so there you go that's my <laughs> that's my slug line review of pride of the yankees ah, it was pretty good I feel pretty much the same way. I didn't want to <laughs> like the movie. Yeah. I didn't want to enjoy it as much as I did, but I did. I know that a lot of this is fiction. I don't know if anything about his mom or his dad or any of that shit was real. <laughs> um, I know some of the baseball shit is made up, like Billy. Yeah. Um, but it had some really great writing. Boy, you can hear Bill Mankiewicz jokes when they're put in there. Yeah. 
and they're good. They're good. I like the interplay between him and his dad, that they're afraid not of having to tell their mother, you know, something that's disappointing, but the backlash that they were going to receive from it was scary to both of them, but it wasn't overplayed. It wasn't over-dramatized. There's a great line when uh, when Myra wants to meet Lou Gehrig at that party, and she's already there with some other guy, and it's obvious that she's obsessed with him, and the other guy says, ah... Okay, well, I'm going to go drink myself to death. <laughs> and he leaves. <laughs> that is a Bill Mankiewicz line. Yeah. And um, a lot of that humor is peppered throughout. Um, we failed to mention it, but when they were doing the fake home, run- home runoff, the guy who's on, on Garrick's side and the guy who's on Babe Ruth's side are, are placing escalating bets as to whether mm-hmm. or not Garrick can do it. And when Garrick finally does it, he not only wins the bet, he practically beats the other guy up. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, did they make him? Did they make him Saint Garrick in this movie? Sure. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm watching a real person in this movie. <laughs> um, they really didn't give him much to do other than get sad at the end. That's yeah. It, for the most part, he never really. I mean, when he tells his mom that he's playing baseball, he doesn't really take any of her complaints seriously. He, he's doing it with a smile on his face, like, "Ah, oh, there goes mom," right? <laughs> but I mean, as a work of fiction, I think it's fine. It's a love story for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, the performances are good. Some of the jokes are really funny. Um, they do go a little overboard trying to uh, trying to juxtapose him against Babe Ruth, right? Yeah. Um, so I don't feel that it's genuine. I don't feel like I'm watching the actual story of Lou Gehrig at all. Um, if this movie was re- remade today, maybe they could find some other stuff out. But, I mean, the bare minimum on, on Gehrig is, is that he's a guy who always showed up to play a game, always. Yeah. And he worked at it. He loved baseball. Don't get me wrong. He did publicity stuff. He tried to be in movies. He did a bunch of other things. It just wasn't. It wasn't him. It wasn't. It was wasn't what he was comfortable with necessarily. So it wasn't a showboat, right? Yeah. He didn't go after publicity. He didn't do any of the the stuff that most well, like Babe Ruth was doing, right? And that's that's basically the message. It's fine. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good movie. It, it's two hours long. I felt that they probably could have cut some stuff out of it, but I didn't feel like. I wasn't feeling the weight of that time on me while I was watching it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I know the ending. Everybody knows the ending at this point. It's like Titanic. We're not here for the necessarily for the (laughs) ending so that we can be bummed out. But we know that that's where this is all leading. Yeah. Right. And they didn't overplay that. Right. There was no one going, you're going to live forever, Lou. And you don't do stuff for him promising that him and his wife are going to be forever and then looking at the camera. Um, there was nothing there that was overplaying the, the eventual tragedy of what was going to happen, which I think works well with the overall storyline. Yes, mm-hmm. it's another movie about a baseball player and there's barely any baseball in it. And we're used to that by now. <laughs> but I couldn't help but thinking while I was watching it is that Babe Ruth saw this movie after it came out. And he had been diagnosed. Uh, he'll be diagnosed in a couple of years, right? Yeah, very. Yeah, shortly and after this. And he said, "I want a movie like Lou Gehrig got." <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and he... that's why that's why the Babe Ruth story turned out the way it did was because they yeah. wanted Saint Ruth, 
and they weren't going to. And the only way to do that is to completely tear apart history and ignore <laughs> everything about Babe Ruth, right? Oh yeah. So I I have a sneaking suspicion that that's why that movie turned out this way is because this movie was a loving portrayal of this guy, and they didn't have to cover up any scandals. They didn't. They probably were hoping, oh please let there be a scandal. That's why they manufactured a fake one in the middle of it, where we thought that <laughs> Lou was was cheating on her, but he right. wasn't. Um, do I think it's a terrific movie and a fantastic movie or even a great baseball movie? No, not really. Not really. But is it bad? No, it's not. There's enough charming shit in there and enough uh, mildly funny to funny things in it that it keeps you entertained. It's not, you're not going to walk away from it going, oh, that poor guy, I can't believe his heroism, blah, blah, blah. Nah, it's just a good movie from 1942. Yeah. Is it Casablanca? No. Oh, God. But <laughs> nothing <laughs> not else can be Casablanca. So yeah, I like it. I'm going to recommend it too. Two recommends. It's a classic. Classic, Steve? Classic. Classic. All right, now it's time for us to not recommend something. Steve, do you have a movie that you'd like to not recommend? <laughs> I do. I do. I'm going to take Go you back. It. I'm going to take you people back to the 1990s. The oh, 1990s. Boy. The 1990s, you know, they in many ways they were they were a nice time. They were a nice time for me. Formative years. I came of age. I grew from a child into a young adult. And I remember a lot about 1990s pop culture very fondly, a lot of the music and a lot of the movies that came out. But, but there were also things in the 90s that were kind of confusing, kind of scary. Okay. You know, like the kind of things that, that if a child today found out about, he would come up to say, I don't know, his father who was alive back then. And he would ask the difficult questions that, that a parent hopes their child never asks, like, Dad... Is it really true that you guys thought Matt LeBlanc was going to have a film career? <laughs> and you have to look your child <laughs> have to look your child in the eye and say, "Yes, son, it was a strange time. There 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 was a period there where we actually thought maybe Matt LeBlanc would have a film career." <gasps> You're going to not recommend the Monkey movie. I'm going to not recommend the Monkey movie. The this Monkey is... playing baseball movie that I've been wanting to review since we started the show. <laughs> We can still review it if you want, buddy. Okay. Um, yes, I'm going to not recommend a movie from 1996. Matt LeBlanc, at the height of his stardom, is one of the photogenic cast members of the hit sitcom <laughs> Friends. They said, Jennifer Aniston's making movies. Fuck it. Let's get Matt LeBlanc some movies. And those are great. They are. <laughs> oh, boy. Everybody loves all of those classic Jennifer Aniston movies. <sighs> um. Talk about a, a, a an actor underperforming to their talent. Like, <laughs> but anyway, so the, yeah, and the movie, yes, it's the it's the baseball monkey movie from 1996 called Ed, uh, starring Matt LeBlanc as a minor league baseball pitcher who befriends the team mascot, who is an actual chimpanzee <laughs> named Ed, and they become best friends. Uh-huh. And. Then there's all kinds of, you know, cliched movie stuff where, uh, like, Ed runs away. Oh, no. Get, Ed gets sold off. The club sells Ed somewhere to somewhere else. And, oh, no. and Matt LeBlanc has to go and find him. And then there's some stuff that happens where Ed almost dies. And Matt LeBlanc is like, oh, how am I going to, how am I going to play without my best friend, the monkey? And then the monkey's okay. <laughs> and, you know, it's not, it's not good. Like it's not good at all, um, and it's but it is a baseball movie, 
and it is a baseball movie that I don't particularly care for. So that's why I am not recommending. If if you did happen to like Pride of the Yankees, I'm saying you know what, just go ahead and skip Ed. It is it is it is a uh, an interesting artifact from that magical time, the 1990s, that is in, as inexplicable today as it was back then. Okay, sorry, Steve. My dog is threatening to start barking at any second. Oh, no. She's giving me an eye like, I don't care about you. I don't care about the podcast. Ah, she changed her mind. Good. Anyway, that's a good not recommend, Steve. Hey, you guys, you know that I like to not recommend a movie from the same year as the movie that we just reviewed, and it's 1942. And someone had a great idea. You know, most of our boys are over at war. They're fighting the Japs. They're fighting the Germans. They're they're fighting everybody that we tell them to fight. (laughs) They need a movie that's going to lift their spirits. And what a better way to do that is to take a classic horror monster, who's not really a monster. I've discussed this before. He's not Mm. a monster. Mm Mm-hmm. But make him a good guy. Ooh, interesting. The movie that I'm going to tell you not to watch is a movie called Invisible Agent. Oh, hey. Starring yes. Peter Laurie and Cedric. Oh, there. She, she, oh. she. I told you. Stop it. What's wrong with you? You like Invisible Agent too? <laughs> it's poorly written. How dare you not recommend my favorite Universal horror now film? Now they're both doing it. Great. How dare I not recommend Invisible Agent? They really dogs are. Dogs love it so much. They're really They love invested. seeing somebody that's not there and a bunch of props on strings. <laughs> there. I got one dog. Don't they know that the special effects in that series get progressively worse? <laughs> uh-huh. And they do. They do. Okay, so they literally, the guy in Invisible Agent who's invisible is the son of the Invisible Man. Yep. Who's not a monster, he's just a dude who happens to be invisible. Well, Steve and I have arguments about this later. (laughs) But now he's a good guy, and what he's going to do is he's going to spy, and he's going to be an agent. And Peter Laurie and Cedric Hardwick are Axis guys, and they're like evil and stuff, and it's boring, and I hate it, and don't, don't watch it, it's stupid. Why did they do this? It's not like Son of Godzilla was... Well, I guess he was a good guy. It's not like Son of Frankenstein was a good guy, right? No. What about no. Son of Dracula? Was he a good guy? No, no. They, they always just end up doing the same things that their dad did. Right. Yeah. This guy didn't go crazy and and and, and uh, uh, just wear boots and be naked and run down a... You know, skip down a street. None of the fun stuff that made the Invisible Man great. No, exactly. this is... This is like a fucking d-list avenger so don't don't see it it's it's okay steve oh here we go it's time for you to make a terrible choice oh okay i'm ready i'm ready hey steve i'm good okay yes how long have we been doing this show now oh god years and years and years six years at least yeah and you know our show didn't start out as a podcast did it no it did not it started out on youtube started out on YouTube and it was a lot it was a very different show than what we do now huh it sure was our show now is longer and more mm-hmm. involved and better, and better. it's funnier <laughs> it's funnier <laughs> more enjoyable for people to listen to that's right and more convenient yeah that's right you don't even have to look at us 
back in the day, we were doing it on YouTube. You know, that stupid platform. And so we did a review of some movies back in, back in the day. That's right, we did. And so what I'm proposing is that we do a second seating of one of the films that qualify as a classic to do again on the podcast and really give it what it's for. What a fantastic idea. Yeah, thank you. I like this idea. Wasn't that I was? It wasn't that I was desperate for an idea for a theme or something. I was going to do westerns, but no one's making westerns. Who gives a fuck about westerns, right, Steve? Well, I mean, Vincent D'Onofrio directed that one like two years ago, but I haven't seen it. I haven't either. See, even we don't care. <laughs> so I have taken three movies from back in the day, and you need to pick one, and oh. we're going to give it the old late seating treatment. The one now, we're ooh. yeah. So okay. you can choose from A, B, or C. I'm going to choose C. C. Oh, I'm so glad. Oh, I good. I'm so glad. I did a good thing? <laughs> well, all of these would have been good choices okay. for one reason or another. Had you chosen A, we would have done a new review of the classic movie Jaws. Oh, cool. Okay. And that would have been great because that means I get to watch Jaws again this week. <laughs> Had you <laughs> chosen B, we would have reviewed The Matrix again. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not bad. But would've you chose okay. C, a movie that I've been wishing we could re-review on this show for a very, very long time. Oh, okay. People have been missing Angry Jason. Well, he'll be back, baby. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Because the movie we're going to review is the classic boomer fairy tale known as Forrest Gump. Oh. Oh, boy. So if you want to get all the jokes or understand why Jason's taking blood pressure medication, (laughs) then you guys will run out and watch Forrest Gump before our next review airs. Wow. And that's it. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm I'm just out. Tom Hanks, we're coming for you. <laughs> Not necessarily him. No hard feelings. Oh, you're, Not, Robert Zemeckis, we're coming yep, for you. You're going to be able to dust off your Zemeckis impression <laughs> oh, again. Oh, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to hear you defend this fucking thing. Anyway, <laughs> that's it. Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, for late seating, this has been Jason Harding, and please see a movie this week. And this has been Steve Shives, and I'm going to leave you with the words of wisdom that I have heard pretty much every time I've been in the stands at a Little League game. And those words are, all the arguing in the world can't change the decision of the umpire. I can change the decision of the umpire for you, Louis. Oh, Mama, no. Just give me a second. Mama, I know things. Mama, you know how, have, mama, you know how jealous no. it makes me to see you with other men don't, like that. I don't put a blindfold on. I want you to win the game, oh. Lou. <laughs> I'm going to go out there and drop some panties in front of the umpire. We're going to disappear for just a few minutes. Okay. 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 You just stare at a wall or do whatever you need to do. I'm going to just, I'm just going to turn around and stare at this wall. Do me a favor. Distract your papa. Okay. 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 Fake an illness or something. Dad. You'll become concerned. Don't forget all about me. Dad, I feel so weak. Dad, my muscles are failing me. Ah, your mama is going to sleep with another umpire. Oh, no, I can't, I can't hide anything from you, I Pop. know what that means. Oh. <laughs> Dad. Lift this shotgun up to my temple. <laughs> Dad, the doctor says I have ALS. Who cares? My wife has been cheating on me with, with her, our own son for I don't know how long. <laughs> 
Just do one thing. Yes, anything, Become Pop. Become the best baseball player in the world. Okay, sure. And then maybe if you can swing it, die. <laughs> die? Would you prefer if I die, like, really young? My dream is that my son will not outlive me. Okay, I can. I think I've got <laughs> you that. You thought your mama had, uh, <laughs> had problems. Well, guess what? You never bothered to find out mine, did you? <laughs> If only there were more time, Dad. You know, edible complexes are a two-way street, buddy boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we couldn't have picked an ickier way to stand uh, this review. Play ball. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Lemmy Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Listen. And thanks for listening.